Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michael Liu about the latest trends and developments related to AI in the workplace. Michael Liu, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. It it was fun getting to know you a little bit in the pre-interview as we were just talking and and getting to know each other and, and getting ready for the episode. And you have expertise in an area that I know listeners are super tuned into, and that is AI, uh, AI in the workplace, and how do we leverage uh, artificial intelligence and deep machine learning to better our workplaces uh, in a variety of ways. So that'll be the topic that we explore together today, uh, and I'm really excited for the conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Michael's bio with everybody. Michael Liu is VP of Strategy and Growth at Chooch AI, where he brings a unique blend of strategy, marketing, investment, venture capital, and product development skills. Michael brings an extensive background in venture capital, where he has been an active early stage investor, investing in over 100 tech startups, including notable unicorns such as Robinhood. Michael worked with City Private Bank, serving ultra ultra high net worth family offices in the Bay Area. Prior to his role at City, Michael founded Anvil Capital Advisors. He also spent 18 years at Goldman Sachs as a managing director overseeing several business units, both in New York and San Francisco. He holds a master's of business administration from NYU Stern School of Business, a master's of science from Columbia University's School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, and a bachelor of science from Brown University. He recently served on the board of the San Mateo Public Library Foundation. It is a real pleasure to have you, Michael. Uh, so much expertise, such a rich career, and uh, so many insights I'm sure you're going to be able to provide as we launch into the conversation about artificial intelligence in the workplace. Uh, before we do that, though, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal background or context that would lend itself to this conversation? Well, thanks, Jonathan. I think probably the only thing I would like to share is uh, in my last 10 years of investing, I've encountered a lot of great companies. And uh, ironically, Chooch AI was actually the first company I invested in actually back in 2016. And it actually was my largest seed check in the last uh, five plus years or so. Uh, And so I've been quite fortunate to have a a front row seat watching this company grow and develop its technology for the first uh, three and a half years or so. And then I find it somewhat ironic that in uh, December of 2019, I was asked by the CEO, Emma Goltikin, to actually join as head of strategy and growth. And so now I find myself back in technology, 
where I originally started with Bell Labs Research back in the 80s, uh, now working with some of the uh, best and brightest people at this uh, AI company. Yeah, that's really great. And and again, you have a really nice complementary set of experiences in your in your portfolio, you know, the, the work that you've done over the years throughout your career. And it's led you to this space now where you get to, again, as VP of strategy, you get to lead out with this AI development and integration across organizations. Uh, so you're attuned to all the latest trends, all of the latest um, developments in the field. And I'm super interested in learning from you today and having a conversation about what those are and, and how we can best as, as people managers, as organizational leaders, how we can best leverage the existing technologies to improve the lives of our people, to improve the, the, the situations that we find ourselves in within the workplace. So why don't we start um, by just exploring some of the, uh, the current trends. What are you seeing in this space and what is, well, let's start there. What, what are the current AI trends? And then we can start to move into how uh, we see that moving into the workplace. Sure, Jonathan, and thanks again. Um, so when we think about uh, our capabilities as a visual AI company or computer vision, uh, we understand that um, there are still some bottlenecks out there um, uh, in terms of the development cycle. And what this company has done is kind of really shortened that cycle in terms of generating data sets and generating these computer vision models, but also uh, putting them out on edge devices. And that means that the compute is actually happening right on the factory floor, right in the warehouse, right in uh, a retail uh, outlet where uh, we can uh, maintain uh, uh, really accurate and uh, high speed uh, predictions, if you will. And at the same time, uh, maintain that privacy and protection of data, which is really, really important. Uh, this is a trend that we've seen uh, across all industries. Uh, and then second, you know, if you think about visual AI as a sensor, Right. We can actually uh, enhance human productivity, reduce risk, and increase uh, yields uh, by kind of uh, uh, replacing some of the more tedious and manual tasks that humans have to go through every single day, and then allowing those humans to potentially high, uh, perform higher level functions. So imagine an assembly line of uh, bottles that are coming through and using machine vision to detect the defects on caps and labels. Right. Well, if we can kind of automate that, we can potentially retask people to do more complex tasks versus just looking uh, endlessly at a line of uh, bottles looking for uh, defects, as an example. Or imagine uh, a warehouse Can I just situation. comment on that? As one back a lifetime ago, back when I was, I was uh, young and, and saving up money to go to college, um, you know, I, I spent my time on an assembly line in a factory. So I, I've had some of that experience. It's not a pleasant job. <laughs> you know, it, it's very tedious. It's mind numbing work. Time moves so slowly. If you want, um, you know, to leverage the potential of people, you know, having them doing those kind of manual menial tasks uh, day in and day out is, is not the best way. And so I, I just wanted to note really quickly because you made the comment, like these technologies, I know people get afraid they, they fear AI because they worry about displacement of workers. They worry about automation and, and the loss of jobs. And certainly there will be tasks and even some jobs and perhaps even some professions that are replaced by machines. Um, but there's going to be so many more opportunities that are created and new jobs, new tasks, new roles that are gonna be created 
because of the technology, just like we've seen at every stage of the industrial revolution. And as we talk about being in, in uh, you know, this being industrial revolution 4.0, yeah, we're going to have certain jobs that go away. We're going to have certain tasks that go away, but to the betterment of the workers, ultimately, as we reskill and upskill and do more complex things that are more interesting and engaging and ultimately more fulfilling, uh, we'll, we'll be able to thrive more, I think, as people in the workplace. So that's just a quick comment I wanted to make because I, I really do um, think that that's, that's an important benefit to everything that we see coming down the pipeline with, with AI, machine learning, uh, automation and such. Absolutely, Jonathan. And as a matter of fact, you know, one of the other advantages that, uh, you know, computer vision uh, can provide is that degree of consistency and uptime. So imagine uh, a warehouse scenario or an airport scenario where we're trying to look for uh, people who are wearing the appropriate safety gear or looking for people of interest. Uh, the human being, right, when they're focusing on these tasks can be efficient up to a certain point. And then thereafter, uh, fatigue can potentially set in. Uh, you might be texting your friend, you might have to uh, eat lunch or go to the bathroom, whereas a camera outfitted with the appropriate uh, accurate computer vision models can tirelessly continue to perform those menial tasks and also aggregate that data too, right? And that data can be stored and analyzed for future, uh, future uh, analysis. So if you're in a workplace, uh, let's say a warehouse, and you want to demonstrate a culture of safety and compliance, and you can count how many times people wearing their hard hats and ensuring people wearing their safety vests and detecting any smoke or fire when it's very, very early stage, you're gonna have fewer accidents. You're gonna uh, decrease the risk of workers in a workplace. And ultimately you're gonna be able to decrease frequency and severity. And if that can be demonstrated to an insurance company, there is a significant chance you can reduce the amount of premium that you pay to insurance company of workers' compensation. So there is a real ROI here not to mention the cultural and safety indemnity and long-term and short-term disability benefits that come along with that reduction of uh, risk. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that uh, the risk management component uh, is one that I have to admit, you know, as, as people talk about the benefits of AI, that's not the first thing that most people start to talk about. Um, and it, it's not the first thing I usually think about, but as an HR professional uh, in the HR and people management space, safety and compliance is a big deal. And if you want to make sure, you know, the, the, the premium issue and uh, the, the, the cost savings component alone is worth, you know, doing this. Uh, but also, of course, just the human cost, right, of, of pain and suffering due to injuries, uh, or heaven forbid, even death in the workplace, if we can eliminate more of those types of incidences, um, you know, that's to everyone's benefit. That's to the organization's bottom line benefit, but it's also to, to the team and the, the individual's benefit uh, because they're taken care of. And, and safety and compliance is a really tough nut to crack. I think anyone who works in that space knows how difficult it is. And, and you know, best intentions don't mean much of anything, you know, if you don't actually have the systems and processes in place to make sure that your people uh, are kept safe and, and they are complying with the rules and uh, the regulations. And so having um, the, the AI to assist you, like you're describing, is will be a really huge benefit to organizations, not just to the bottom line, but like you said, to the culture uh, of safety, to the culture of um, not just physical safety, but 
Uh, you know, we want psychological safety in the workplace. We don't want people fearing, um, you know, how they're going to be um, uh, taken care of at work. We, we want to take that off the table. We want that to just be a given that people are safe. People uh, will be taken care of. Absolutely. I mean, there's the financial repercussions. And then, as you mentioned, there's the cultural repercussions, culturally meaning a reputational risk, uh, compliance risk, sanction risk. And of course, um, um, litigation risk as well, too, right? So why open yourself up if, if some of these near misses or behaviors can be tracked and potentially uh, uh, buttoned down so that you reduce the risk uh, overall? It can be something as simple as detecting puddles or slippery surfaces before someone falls down to sending an alert to someone who's on a ladder who should be wearing a safety harness before they ascend the ladder, right? Uh, everyone likes to save time. Um, but you, know, you should also make sure that people aren't texting while they're driving a forklift, right? Or, or texting when they're near a uh, earth mover moving around on a commercial work site. So there are many applications of computer vision that seem somewhat innocuous, but when you add them all up, actually can lead to a greater culture and environment of safety and lower risk. Yeah, I love it. And I, I man, I've just heard, I'm sure you have too. I've heard so many horror stories of people who are just, you know, again, they're cutting corners, not because they're lazy, usually, they're cutting corners because they're trying to be efficient, they're trying to move more quickly, they're trying to produce for the for the company, right. Uh, and a lot of times there is performance pressure being put on them. And so, you know, if they have to, you know, harness up, and they're like, ah, it's just a really quick thing, I can just jump on real quick, and, and I'll be up and down, you know, and, and if I have to harness up, it's going to take more time. And, and so they just they just want to do it quickly that kind of thing, those types of incidences happen all the time. Uh, and they're so avoidable, not just because you have someone monitoring and people know that they're monitored and then they get the, the alerts like you're describing, but it, it holds management accountable too, to not put undue pressure on, on time and efficiency when it is sacrificing safety, right? Because oftentimes when I've gone into organizations and I've seen you know, a poor safety record, it, it's, it's usually a dual problem. I mean, there's some training issues usually that have to be put in place. There's some processes that need to be fine-tuned um, to make sure that people know, you know, what they need to be doing, how and when, and, and all of that. But usually there's also a cultural component due to the pressure being put on the workers by um, administrators that is unsustainable. And it, it, it leads to people cutting corners. Uh, and those safety corners in the long run are going to be very much more detrimental to the success of the organization than if they just take a couple extra minutes to practice those safety procedures. So uh, as you're describing, you know, th this visual component, it's an extra layer, it's an extra mechanism to ensure that you're holding everyone accountable, that you're making sure that everyone uh, is taking safety very, very seriously. What, so what are some of the other... Um, trends that you see out there right now and that your organization is working with in, in relation to AI in the workplace? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. I would say that, you know, safety and security in the workplace is certainly uh, paramount because um, Every industry has a warehouse or every um, industry has a uh, logistics uh, staging center, right? And if you think about the trends in, in retail with uh, omni-channel kind of being here to stay, um, you've got more pressure to build these logistics centers and these fulfillment warehouses. So there is this kind of breakneck speed to build all this infrastructure, which means more and more people will be entering to the workforce that will be exposed to these dangers. And so as a result, you know, in this kind of hurry to kind of be competitive, uh, there is this risk again that, you know, um, people may cut corners. I mean, there is an OSHA requirement that if you have an injury or accident in the workplace, this needs to be uh, reported in 24 hours. And I'm pretty sure that's not being complied to, right? And you might be able to get away with with cutting corners uh, every single day, but all you need is that literally 1% chance to uh, come to fruition where there's a death or dismemberment and it just ruins everything. It ruins morale, increases risk. There's a ton of paperwork needs to be fulfilled. And so again, you know, ensuring that there's this uh, compliance and and culture of safety, I I think is is paramount. And this goes for the construction industry as well, where you could argue there are even more dangerous jobs like roofing as an example, which have some of the highest uh, risks out there or jobs in slaughterhouses, which are also very, very risky as well. Uh, but we've also focused on public safety. And so there's a little bit of overlap. So in addition to detecting uh, PPE equipment in the industrial workplace, uh, we've also developed models for things like smoke detection, fire detection, uh, fall detection in the public areas, uh, nursing homes, uh, hospitals. Uh, these, uh, I think, and we've also developed a weapons detection too, uh, handgun, uh, uh, knife and rifle. And um, if one's able to detect these anomalies earlier, then potentially uh, emergency response can be uh, activated more quickly and render aid or help a little bit more expeditiously uh, on site. So imagine a mall where you typically have video cameras everywhere and three people sitting in the security room looking for events that don't happen. It might be better if they could actually be walking the premises and having the AI to say, hey, there's a fight breaking out in front of Macy's or, hey, there's a slippery surface in front of JCPenney. Someone better mop that up before they crack their skull and then sue, uh, sue the mall uh, operator, as an example. So I think public safety is also another area. And, and this blends into the overall arching theme of smart city. Right? Can, can we enable um, computer vision to help our cities safer? Right, ensuring that people are not driving uh, and, and using mobile phones at the same time, making sure they have their seatbelts on, 
detecting any areas where there might be a violence breaking out uh, or there may be a fire or, or smoke breaking out, right? The current state of technology for detecting smoke and fire indoors is thermal sensors and smoke detectors. Well, in 30 foot ceiling warehouse, those flames need to be pretty big before they start setting those things off. What happens, what would happen if we could actually use computer vision detect smoke and fire at a much earlier stage? You might be able to prevent you know, a full-blown conflagration and a three alarm response from the fire department. You might be able to put it on your own or elicit a smaller response and be a little bit more preventive. Now I must caution that these aren't uh, these technologies aren't regulated. Obviously, smoke detectors and uh, heat sensors are regulated and uh, do provide a, a very very good level of safety. But uh, we do think that uh, computer vision or AI models could be complementary into these existing technologies and again potentially save lives and damage and uh, uh, speed response uh, or initiate response uh, faster. Yeah, yeah, and that speed response I think is one of the the critical components whenever you're dealing with these sorts of safety issues. And you've raised a couple of times now, um, you know, not just the traditional OSHA safety type concerns, but also things like weapon detection. I don't want to get into a whole uh, political conversation on guns rights and gun issues, but the reality is that we, we live uh, in a, a current climate and context where gun violence is fairly prevalent. Um, and so if you can have this type of technology utilized in order to recognize when there's a threat um, and, and have quick, rapid response to that threat, you know, think about the potential uh, number of lives that can be saved. And, and some of these incidences, you know, we hear about, there's one, what was it, just a couple of weeks ago in Colorado, uh, we had another incident, right? And so if you, if you, um, if you can utilize this type of technology, I, I think it's a really great opportunity uh, to provide uh, that that level of safety and security for people. Now, my and you also brought up the, the regulatory piece and how that currently isn't in place for this technology. Uh, my next kind of thought feeds off of that comment, and that is, what are some of the ethical considerations that we need to really be thoughtful about and careful about as we're integrating more of these AI um technologies into the workplace or really into our communities uh, at large uh, because certainly there you know in terms of the surveillance piece and and some of these other elements there's certainly uh, potential for concern so what what is your organization doing to, to help with that kind of ethical AI drive to make sure that we're, we're doing things properly and what should organizations and leaders listening to this podcast today what should they be considering? Uh, as they uh, consider th those ethical components uh, to utilizing your uh, technology and, and uh, other similar technologies. Yeah, no, this is, this is a really, really important topic, Jonathan, when it comes to computer vision. And if you think about the models that are out there, there are two main concerns that you can uh, break this into. One is obviously privacy. Uh, and the second is bias. And bias in models comes from uh, bias in uh, data that helps train those models. So that's really, really important. And uh, when, when people talk about bias, they primarily focus more on the official recognition aspects. So it's known that a lot of some of the public models that are out there um, have biases towards uh, people of color, uh, people who are Asian uh, of descent, as an example. And so um, people have to kind of go back to the drawing board, right? And if they're gonna use facial, they need to use it in a much less biased manner. 
So um, that's that's one concern. Second is 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 the privacy issue, in the sense that you know most stores have um, camera monitoring systems already, and those videos are actually being digitally stored already. Uh, and the difference is that typically uh, these mon these videos are monitored by a staff of humans, either on site or off site for any security, and so th they're kind of watching you anyway, right? What, what we need to be careful about in, in, with uh, computer vision is that we need to use it for the basis of good for the, you know, for the public good, if you will. And so when people say like, well, you know, are you recording my face? Or can you recognize who we are? You know, it depends upon what computer models are actually loaded in, into the system. So as an example, if I just have fire and smoke detection and fall detection loaded into our system, then that's all it's gonna detect. Right. So it's not going to detect human faces. It's not going to do demographics. It's not going to determine racial or ethnicity uh, amongst the population. And so there is a degree of control uh, that can be that that, um, that management has in terms of when they implement certain particular models. Uh, you could you could you could um, implement um, weapons detection, fire and smoke for just a public safety aspect. And again, there's no facial recognition happening in those cameras. There's no database to cross-reference people. So I think it's important to kind of clarify what can and cannot be done. There are companies who do focus on facial and there are companies uh, who have extensive databases of people's identities matched up with faces. Um, I can tell you at Chuch AI, this is that, that we do not do that. Uh, we do have uh, private enterprise inquiries for people who want to use facial for things like uh, airplane check-in, airplane boarding, a cruise line um, check-in, a hospitality, access control, right, in the public and private sector in two restricted areas. And I think that's fine, right? As a matter of fact, if when you use facial for access control, you kind of uh, eliminate the risk for any type of potential compromise, like giving someone your passcode or giving someone your uh, uh, key card, right? Um, and actually might make things a little bit safer. But again, I think uh, it's important to understand that the computer vision models uh, will do and be trained specifically for its particular task. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I think those are all important points, and and we really just scratched the surface of the conversation in relation to the ethical components. I mean, really, we scratched the surface on all the AI potential within the workplace. But those ethical components are we can't forget about that. And sometimes we get super excited about the engineering piece, you know, of the technology uh, and and the capabilities. Um, but if we if we sever the, the development of the continued development of the the technology from the ethical uh, conversations, then that's where we can you know take the humanity out of the workplace potentially and 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 find ourselves in other difficult situations. So I appreciate that lens that you added to to our conversation here today, and I would encourage listeners you know have have these meaningful conversations with your C-suite leadership uh, and. Uh, leadership down down the organization and talk about how um, the types of uh, applications that Michael has been describing, how it could be utilized while keeping in mind that those ethical components and the, and the protections for your people and for the, the customers. Michael, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Um, I, I do want to be mindful of your time. I, I recognize you're very busy and, and we'll need to move on to the rest of your day. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to reach out or, or to uh, share with listeners how they can get connected with you, uh, find out more about uh, your organization and how you can benefit 
them, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure, Jonathan. Uh, so uh, I'm reachable at Michael at uh, chooch.ai, and uh, more information can be found on our website at uh, chooch.ai. Uh, it's a fairly rich uh, website with a number of different uh, links to uh, videos, capabilities, uh, verticals, as well as uh, um, demo links to uh, our vast uh, capabilities. Uh, we are very horizontal, uh, Jonathan. So we have um, applications in many different industries, ranging from oil and gas to healthcare, uh, media, retail, uh, industrial warehouses, and uh, you know, even geospatial capabilities. So. Uh, you know, I think the team here has worked very, very hard in creating a very powerful and flexible platform. And we're looking to uh, help other organizations. Uh, I hate to overuse this word, but you know, use computer vision for digital transformation, reduce risk, uh, potentially uh, enhance uh, safety, uh, you know, increase yield, decrease costs, and just make their uh, workplace uh, more efficient. Wonderful. Thank you, Michael. It has been a real pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Michael, find out more about what he and his company can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.